Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I'm your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to By My Count, roundtable number seven. I don't know, I get to make up numbers. It's kind of the way I run my checkbook. So, you know, we'll just, you know, make up some numbers. I think this is number seven. And uh, we got a great group of coaches here tonight. Josh Lutke from Creighton Prep. Josh, welcome to the roundtable. Thank you for having me. Should be good. Tom Taverdi, the newly minted head girls basketball coach at Marion High School. Tom, how are you doing tonight? Good. Glad to be here with you. Awesome. And you probably have the most appearances of anybody on a pen and a napkin case. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I think it's good. Okay. Okay. You're good. Cubs bad. Yes, they are yeah. really bad. They are. They are brilliantly bad at this point. So uh, Casey Hall, the assistant girls basketball coach at Millard West High School. Uh, we are taping once again at Wine 121 here in Omaha, just off of 120th and Center. Uh, if you are interested in high-end wines or bourbons, this is the place to go. If you want to have some live music, this is the place to go. If you want to sit down and talk with the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Crable, don't come here because he's here. He owns the place. So, uh, But we want to thank Tom for opening up his place. Again, this is a perfect location for us to do this. Uh, kind of one of the things i don't know how much my wife is going to appreciate this but i'd like to do this like once a month and and just kind of come here and hang out and do whatever we need to do but come check out wine 121 it's a really cool place and uh, if you're in the neighborhood it's a good place to come in relax have a glass of wine just let it rip so what do you think fellas how are we doing here is well, it- I, I tell you what I, I would just come here to listen to tom's stories like Tom has a story for everything, so I mean, if you're if you're looking for some excitement and some fun, I mean, come over here, get a glass of wine or something to drink, and let Tom start talking stories, and you'll have a good time. I had a hard time leaving talking to him, listening to the stories. Come over here to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I noticed there's a mirror up there. I think when nobody's in here, I think Tom just looks in the mirror and starts talking to himself <laughs> when that happens. That, that's that's. I mean, I don't want to say anything, but you know, maybe uh, that's just my perception. I that sounds know. like Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we got about five or six topics on the list here tonight, and, and like always, you know, kind of wherever we go, that's where we end up going here. Uh, we got a lot of different perspectives here. Uh, Casey's assistant coach, Tom, just took over at, at uh, Omaha Marion. Josh, you've been at, uh, at Creighton Prep for, I don't know. This is going to be my 20th year, so 20th I'll year. start number wow. 20 at Creighton yeah, Prep. Yeah, the big 2-0, you know, and. You know, I'm just me doing what I do here. So, uh, so we're we're gonna we got a, quite a few things I think are pretty cool to talk about here. And again, we'll just kind of see where everything goes. So, um, let's talk off season. You know, um, what were you guys looking within your programs? And and I think all of us are at like different stations. I mean, you, you had a tremendous season last year. You're taking over a job. Uh, brand new uh you guys are in a situation where you you had a a a down year for your expectations at your school uh you know this was my first full summer with my kids uh you know so we're all kind of in different places but what were you guys looking to emphasize during your off season what were you looking to do do you you feel like you got there um you know and and how was maybe this different or the same from any other summer that you've gone through all right tom we'll start with you since you uh since you're starting from, from from scratch here well, the first thing I did was <clears throat> I made a point to watch all of their games for the previous season and just take a lot of notes and just get familiar with their skill level uh-huh. and where it was at, where it needed to be improved and so forth. And 
from that, I just really kind of came up with the idea that, you know what, we need a lot of skill work. We, we At Marion, we have a lot of really good athletes that come in, a lot of soccer players. A lot. I, I feel like it's more of a multi-sport school probably than the average in Class A, but we get a lot of athletes. And so the skill level was not where I had hoped it would be. And um, so we just really focused on There was two main things I decided we were going to focus on. One, we... Every open gym we had, we alternated with skill work. I've got a lot of 20-step skill workouts just kind of that I've come with over time, so we alternated those with one-on-one days. Uh And just to keep getting skill work live, skill work. And so we, on the off days, we'd come in, and we found this out a few years ago. We did this, and it just completely transformed our one-on-one is where we make the kids play five games, to whatever, depending on how many kids there are, how much time you have, but generally speaking, five games, each game to 11 points or whatever, and they have to come over after each game and tell us who played who and what was the score and who won. And it was amazing how different it is when the kids have to come tell you, and I'm recording it, who played who, who won, and what the score was. So let's say you have a situation where some kids, some players down 9-0 to zero and you're playing to 11. Well, I don't want to get... 11 to 0. Yeah. So they play hard and play to the end. That transformed our one-on-one game. And so that was my big thing. I said, we're going to, I told the coach, we're going to really focus on skill development and one-on-one. Uh-huh. And I heard Mike Josefsky sometime, I don't know when it was, years ago somewhere, he just said one of the gr- best things you can do for your players is one-on-one. One-on-one. And so we really mixed skill development with one-on-one. I felt like we may, I just saw a lot of progress in skill. And you know as coaches, you can see when the skill's improving. It manifests itself on the court pretty easily, and it's pretty obvious when it's not. So I felt like we made progress in that area, and so that that's kind of my philosophy. And it really came, the skill development workouts really came from, I remember at Gothenburg, I first started coaching, and I was watching us in open gym play pickup games, and we'd play for a couple hours. I got done, I think, you know what, we got one ball and ten kids, and that one ball ends up in usually one or two kids' hands most of the time, so they're getting in good shape, yeah, and I gave it our skill, and so I, I really went away from pickup games because we're saying we're playing in team camps and stuff. When we're in the gym, we're gonna do skill development. Yeah, so that's kind of philosophy that I really took long term, but really kind of tailor made it to the areas that Mary and I felt like really had to upgrade. Yeah. Yep. How about you, Josh? You know, we uh, we 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 spent the spring really trying to kind of try to find an identity this spring because um, yeah, you lost a lot we, of kids, we lost quite a few kids yeah. that were really high caliber players as seniors and um you know they're off playing college ball somewhere so we spent the summer really trying to focus on uh two things skill development and then uh individual strength and um we're fortunate that our kids uh buy into going out to to first pick and working with Grant Everly, who does a great job out there with our kids. And um, we saw a tremendous upside and progress when we had our last group of seniors go out there. So we were really impressed. So we wanted to do that. But then on the basketball side of things, it was really trying to see who was ready to take the next step uh, in their role at Creighton Prep. Um, You know, we're we're typically not a team that has a lot of incoming freshmen. Or, or even sophomores play. Now, I wish I wish I had a Drew Homa that would walk through the door and start four years and play every game on varsity, but that doesn't always happen. So we spend a lot of time with skill development. We don't play a lot of five-on-five pickup. Uh, we make one through five do the same stuff. 
um, a lot of ball handling, um, dribble, you know, ball handling, dribbling stuff, uh, scenarios. Um, play a lot of uh, just shooting games, competitive games. Uh, we want our kids to be very competitive, um, so we do competitive stuff during our skill workouts, um, and that's what we did. And and I think we found out kind of where we are and and how much more we had to improve. Um, and then we spent the summer playing in some leagues and. And that really kind of helped us understand, like, we have a long way to go. We, we could be really good this year, and we've got some really nice pieces, but um, we have to really continue to work the skill. Um, and it's amazing, you know, and I, I don't say this to be mean or spiteful to anybody, but, you know, there's a lot of people that go and do one-on-one training with basketball, a lot of skill development, and just to watch the amount of poor footwork that some kids have after going to all that training um, is really just kind of crazy. So we really try to work a lot of footwork, um, a lot of shooting form. um, And I think we're in a good spot now that we've hit August, heading into this next phase. I always try to break it up into three phases. we got spring, which is after the state tournament, and that takes us up to May. Then we have our second phase, which is June and July. Uh And then our third phase, which is really late August all the way to November. So I I like where we are. we got a lot of work to be done in these next 12 weeks, 10 weeks I think it is. Um, But we're excited about the future. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that senior group because they kick the snot out of my son's teams (laughs) at Mary R. Queen quite a bit. So so, not not that I'm bitter in any way, shape, or form, but it's all right. Not at all. Yeah, so. Uh, Case, what would you guys do? We did a lot of the same. I mean, skill work was really big. I mean, we we were we struggled last year. We were young last year. We had a lot of sophomores playing. Now those sophomores are juniors, and they're still getting there. They're still not 100% there. Like, you can just roll about and say they get it. So we did a lot of skill stuff, just basketball IQ stuff, doing the little things. Um, one thing I really liked that we did, we did a lot of short-sighted games, just – three on three on one side or three on three in the middle of the court just putting a ball in a different spot and trying to figure out how to cut the court in half and how to score using that uh-huh. um, we did a lot of that a lot of shooting as well um, just getting them out there and getting the ball in the hand one thing um, that I think that we struggled with at times and I think it might have been because a lot of them were sophomores or some were juniors that played a little bit but um, sports psychology wise we really struggle with staying in the moment not body language all that stuff one thing we did this summer that i liked we had the national guard we have one of our coaches she's on the national guard they came out one day um when we did weights and stuff instead of lifting weights and doing basketball stuff we did national guard came out and they put us through put the girls through training for the day just kind of to work as a team to kind of get your mindset like hey you can't quit you've got to help this person and keep this person motivated the whole time that's awesome Um, that was one thing that I really liked that we did this summer and I think we'll continue to do it if we can but that was I think that was one of the big things for me personally as an assistant coach I really wanted the girls to get mentally tough like you're gonna have downtime especially last year with a lot of them being young and they're still young I mean you're only going to be a junior. It's not like you're a senior and a four-year starter or something. You're yeah. still a junior. Just mentally tough and keeping your composure and having good body language you play because one person sees it, the next person mm-hmm. sees it, and it just it falls down snowballs. the ladder. Yep. The snowballs, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's amazing. You mental, the, the mental side of the game. It's it's really interesting to watch, um, and, and I think happens on both the boy and girl side. Um, 
the, the, the six inches between your ears. We yeah. talk about that a lot at prep. And, yeah. and, and one thing, you know, I was told this by uh, my uncle, who I'm very close with, is so shall you think, so shall you be. And, and I tell my kids all the time that because if you think bad things, generally bad things are going to happen. If you make a bad play, you got to move on yeah. to the next play because one play can really, you know, hurt you for the next two or three plays. Mm-hmm. And, and one possession as a team can really kind of hurt a team going forward in a game and I I think that's something that lately in the last couple years you almost spend a lot of time talking about the mental side of the game as much as you do the 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 physical side and the skill side Um, and I don't know why that is but I think for some reason in these last couple years that's been a big big issue with some some players why why do you think they you know let's go there why do you guys I mean I have an idea I think they see it on TV I I, I think it's TV I think think it's the amount of pressure that they they get you know they're under the microscope from so many different people and they probably hear from so many different people yeah. you know you you have so many people in your life that's telling you this or telling you that and and at at the age of 15 16 17 where do you where do you say no i i gotta stop listening at this point yeah. you kind of try to absorb everything but if you try to absorb everything it, it kind of makes your mind wonder and yeah. you know at the end of the day i think you got to trust the process i think you got to trust your coaches um and you you got to rely on that but your body language can be an instant yeah. just a, a total debbie downer I, I have i have a bit of a theory i think it's somewhat related to that everything that that our kids do today and in some ways it's made it so much better the shooting is so much better the form of shooters is so much better the ball handling is better but they've always had an adult there to help them figure it out right and when you get out there and it's five on five you're on an island and there's nobody there or you know there's nobody there to help you figure it out but every you know we as coaches in some ways have kind of screwed this up for the kids that we've kind of micromanaged this thing so much and we've improved it in so many ways. But the going back to the days of playing on the blacktop and there's there's twenty guys there and if you want to keep the court, you gotta win this game and you've gotta figure it out on your own. You five guys together have gotta to figure it out. There's no coach there to figure it out for you. There's no mom in the stands there trying to help you figure it out for better or worse. You know, that type of thing. I, I, I think that might play into I mean you know, that that they don't they aren't given as many opportunities to figure it out because everything is so different i mean am i crazy is that does that make sense or Uh, i mean i think you're i I think you're onto something i mean one thing that that helps us out is the fall league like you know the fall league you can't you can't have coaches you could always have a former player or a parent step up and coach but i really like to just let my guys coach themselves because you got to figure it out like you got to figure out your rotation as far as you know, if you got 10 guys there in a the fall league, okay, first five in, next five out, or how are you going to sub? you got to figure out, like, if the other team goes on a run, do you want to call a timeout? How are you going to work together as a team to communicate it? So that really can can help them try to overcome that a little bit. Um, but it, it, I think you're onto something when it's, you know, we've, we've I don't want to say micromanage it, but there's so many things we do in the summer as far as skill, spring skill, fall skill, that now when you get on the game, you are on an island and yeah. you know depending on where you play like i mean every one of us have been at the state tournament at some point well you get to the state tournament game you can barely hear from the coach's box to half court let alone if you're on the other side like yeah. you guys got to be able to communicate and work together to get that done yeah. what do you think yeah. tom a couple of things came to my mind i had a conversation with connie yori <clears throat> a few years ago 
it was right after one of her practices. Actually, my daughter was, I went and watched it, and she was practicing, and she came over and talked, and she said the extreme frustration she has seen in, in players' attention span, so much tied into social media and connected to a device, and she goes, I've she goes, I just can't believe how much it is trans how much harder it is to keep an attention span of a player. And when they when their attention span when you can't keep it as long, they end up making more mistakes and then they get more frustrated, lose more confidence, and it's just a snowball effect. And I, I said there, there, I think there's a lot of truth to that, where there's where they get on a court and they don't have a device and now what do I do when things when I'm not in control of my device? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that, that that's really big. Yeah. And I was thinking I was listening to Scott Shanley was talking on 1620 The Zone on the way home today, and he was talking Scott about... Scott Shanley? The I don't know. I'm an Iowa fan. I don't know. Nebraska. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry he sorry. was talking about who, who they thought was going to be like Rookie of the Year NFL, and he goes, you know what? He goes, you can, you can easily determine that by looking at their talent in a skill workout, but then all the other stuff, processing information, attention span, detail, composure, and all those things, and I think about... I guess I'm going to make a third thing. And I'm certainly not knocking skill trainers because they play a very valuable role for all of us. Yeah. But I mean, in some cases, you go to a skill trainer, some cases, where you're going to have a good experience, generally speaking. They're going to tell you that you're doing really well. They're going to build you up. And that's part of, that's that's a good thing. But that isn't how it usually manifests itself on the court, where right. you're not always going to be told that, hey, you're doing great. You're doing this. And then it's like you're not used to having to handle somebody not tell you how good you are. And you know so many players go to those now. The really good ones know how to do that, but in some cases they're being told how good they are, and so they're not used to handling not being as good as they're told they are, or handling failure. Yes, the, in, in just on the court, the failure in general. You know, and I and I think that happens a lot. I see it a lot in girls basketball because they go to these trainers and they're like, or they go to these PGC camps or whatever, and like these coaches are like, oh man, you're really good. Like, what level do you play? They're like, well, I'm just on JV. But the problem is, is you don't take that one-on-one stuff to be able to complement five-on-five, like yeah. exactly what you're saying. And another thing, are we getting too many coaches saying this, this, this from the club stuff in the summer to your high school coach to your individual coach to your parents? You're hearing four different things. Who's right? Boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. Five. <laughs> right. You know, friends but who's, but who's sense, right? I mean, you know. in our eyes, we want you as coaches, you're not doing what we're asking you to do on the court when it's a game, when it's a game situation. Now, you can do all your stuff one-on-one, but can you do that or some something like that on the court to help the team win a game? That's the big issue, I think. And That's there just issue. certain players that it's just, it's yeah. just part of their DNA. I mean, it's at every level where, you know, why are players a bust in the NFL or NBA, whatever? It's, it's always it's that mental part, but at a certain point, it's in your DNA. And you can improve it, no doubt. Yeah. But you know the ones that show up day one for you, and you're like, okay... I don't have to coach effort with this person. I don't have to coach attitude with this person. I mean, it's yeah. it's there, and so yeah. that's really probably the the I think the untapped not potential, but something you have to really be good at is how do I get those players that maybe butted heads with somebody else to be able to flip that and be the opposite with me. And so you have to be yeah. a psychologist, and it's I mean you have to really spend a lot of time on that relationships yeah yeah well and I think you have to establish trust and and you you have to you know I'm always going to err on I'm always going to be fair but I'm always going to be firm especially to start with that this no that's not acceptable that's not the way we're going to do it you need to do it like this you know you You mentioned about with um 
what I did with Marion taking over skill development, all that really, even above all that was my first priority was I need to really get to know the kids. So like by the by the end of June, I need to really know them, mm-hmm. know them person, you know, and that because if you yeah. don't, then you know you're not going to get the same type of effort, yeah. performance, and so forth. And so that was really you have to get to know your players more in this day and age than I think at any other time in my coaching career because of all those other things that compete against that. So mm-hmm. you can't take for granted that I can just show up and coach. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and I think trust is a big word. I, you know, I try to explain to my kids um, and we try to build as, as great as a relationship we can with them as possible. That may be not what I was in my early days of coaching, but obviously you evolve over those times. But, you know, I try to explain to them like, the high school game is so much different than the AAU game, and it's so much different than a summer league game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes uh, the word accountability comes into play because one of the things we've been very lucky with is having our players be held accountable for what their actions are, and they have to be able to translate the difference in all these different games because, you know, in the June game you can get away with some stuff. In the July game you can get away with some stuff. But when you come back to the high school game, you can't get away with that stuff. I mean – Mm-hmm. If you try to, once again, you're on that island and, and you get exposed. And so really they have to understand that high school coaches obviously are going to be a little more accountability held towards their players than maybe in June or in July, mm-hmm. whether it's the June league that prep plays in or the fall league or even, you know, the summer AAU game. Yeah. It's just different games. Oh, yeah. Well, and that accountability is, well, in, in June and July, when you're coaching your high school team, most AAU teams, it's four or five in, four or five out, every five, six minutes, and we're going to roll. And, you know, you make a mistake, well, you're not going to come out unless you knock out the coach's wife in the third row eating her popcorn <laughs> or something like that, you know. Uh, but now you make two big mistakes in the second quarter against Bellevue West for you yeah. or, or against Millard, what you guys against each other or whatever, you know, who, you might not get back out there. And all of a sudden, well, what did I do? And that's where you got to clearly communicate. And the next day, you, you okay, hey, here, here's the deal. And, you know, we told you, you know, one of the things I try to do is, here's what we told you exactly what not to do against these two. This, these two or three things are going to be critical. And when you threw two consecutive bad passes against their run and jump, I can't trust, you know, that made me hard for me to trust for you the rest of the game, especially when, Mary's doing this and and Timmy's doing that and and you know do, do you do you understand that correlation if that kid comes in and wants to talk to you or says you know what did I do how come I didn't get as many minutes or whatever it may be you know and that's something I've always tried to kind of refer back to is here's what we needed from you here's your role here's this and that and you know again hopefully we've established that relationship that they see those things uh, you know I don't know how much sense that makes but I hope it does I think it does. I mean, and, and sometimes nowadays, it's not just trying to explain to the, the kid what he did wrong in that game. It's explaining to their parents or their AAU coach or their trainer yeah. or friend of a friend. I mean, you know, like I, I tried to explain to my kids even today as we're getting ready to go into the weight room, like there's so many decisions that go into a high school coach making a team or making a game plan or how you put something in play with your 12 players that you, you can't always explain it to everybody, but, you know, you got to it, – it's just a different game than what summer AU or summer June league is or even the fall league is. Yeah, yeah. I was listening last night watching 
um, Big Red Wrap Up. <coughs> I love watching that show. Jay Foreman was on, and Damon. What, what team does that refer to? Sorry. What's that? Yeah. What team? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm an Iowa fan. <laughs> we'll have to wait till after the Iowa game to see the result. Okay. First okay. All right, all right. Okay. So later on, and they were talking about, you know, these are like Jay Moore. He's a tough. Casey's guy. an Iowa fan too. Iowa, Iowa State guy. So <laughs> just. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But here's Jay Moore, you know, a tough guy. I mean, known tough, tough guy. And Damon Benning, I know him, good guy. And they're talking about how important it is today, how you correct kids, how you correct them. They were talking about how critical that is. Jay Moore's talking about even though it's in the NFL. You can start to see the NFL. It started to happen in the NFL where he goes, they notice how they, how differently they now correct players. And even at the NFL level, if it's at that level, they can't handle, you have to really be sensitive to how they handle criticism. Just think about our high school kids. Uh-huh. And it's so true. I mean, how you correct them has a huge impact on how they'll react to that. Uh-huh. And the best thing that happened to me was having somebody else coach my kids. You know, and realize, okay, I'm coaching somebody else's kid. I'm coaching somebody else's daughter. Yeah. How And, and how would I want my kid? And so you get really empathetic to how you say things, how you how you coach them, how you correct them, because you know from your kid's experience how that's received at home and how and how you feel it through them. Yeah. That's probably shaped me more than anything else. I'd like to personally apologize for all the kids that I coached <laughs> before my kids went through, but it really does. You're like, hey, this is somebody... You, you consciously think of that and say, okay, I want them to receive coaching correction the way I wanted my kids to receive it from their coach. And that doesn't yeah. mean don't push them hard and all that stuff, yeah. but there's weight sarcasm, things like that, that, yeah. that don't work real well. Yeah. Uh, you have no idea how many times Hannah called me complaining about her <laughs> high school coach. So. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Tom coached his daughter in high school. So um, let's let, you know, this is another thing we, and, and we're kind of in this vein of things. So let's go there. We, one of the things we want to talk about was setting expectations for, for our for our, for our coaches, for our players, for our parents, and and the coaching staff, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, let's let's jump into there. Let's, uh, Case, go ahead, lead us off here. You know, what are some of the things that you guys do? What you've done when you, when you were a head coach to kind of set clear expectations for 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 your players as you're getting ready to start a season. I think a lot of that starts in the summer, like we've talked about. Like you you start off your expectations. I mean, you kind of set it. Seniors are gone. All right, juniors or sophomores, whoever, it's time to step up. Like, I can help you through it, but I'm not, I can hold your hand a little bit, but you've got to be able to take the reins on yourself as players and kind of be, step up and start being the leadership. Uh, and that's like where I talked about earlier with the psychology and not having that, oh, poor me attitude when you don't make a shot or miss two or three in a row. Like, younger kids see that. Now you're the older kid. You've got to be able to have that in your head like, oh, if I do that, someone else is going to follow that lead. So expectation-wise with those players, you've got to get that mentality. I try to, I've tried to put it in their head like, hey, things are going to go bad, but now you've got to be the leader to be able to do that. And I think leadership for the players has to start for the returners by like June 1st or whenever you start your spring workouts into June ball uh-huh. in camp. Um, that's where I've gone. That's where I think with players anyway, and that's what we've done. That's what I did at du- when I was at Duchenne, and that's, when I've, that's what we kind of do at Miller West too. It kind of just – Step by step, but you've got to be able to fill yeah. the shoes. Yeah, I like like as far as the staff goes. You know, I I'm speaking from the perspective of coming in as a new coach. I didn't know any of my assistants, and so and really, I think that's kind of what I do normally anyway. Is just really 
get to know them and find out what do they do well. What do they naturally just do really well? Because they usually, that's something they'll enjoy doing. And then, so we've kind of now, I've, it, it took to this point, we just had a short meeting today after school about fall workouts and just talked about my goal is to put everybody in the position where they're doing what they do well and enjoy doing. And I just told him, I said, I want you doing things you enjoy doing. And our, and like I said, most of the time that matches up with what they're good at. And so that's, we've, I've really tried to identify expectations for my assistants because I think you have to. You have to, I, I think there's nothing more boring as a coach, as an assistant, if you're not having a responsibility or an, something that is delegated to you to do. You know, if your head coach is doing everything. Yeah. So I, we've really kind of, I feel like we're at the point now where I feel like I really know who does what really well and is best at it. I'm turning that over to them. Yeah. And identifying those things and making sure that your assistants are really valued and they're really put in charge of things that are important, valued, and you make sure the players know that you value that in front of them because that really builds up that, hey, I really want to be doing this. And and um, and just really making sure that your assistants know what's expected, but making sure that it's you're expecting things they enjoy doing. Yeah. 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 Josh? For, for us at prep, uh, for the assistants – I'll talk that first. Um, I, I I basically have Nick Thompson, who's my defense coordinator, and he handles all the defensive stuff. Um, and then I have a former player of mine, Ted Stessman, who's the head JV coach and assistant varsity coach. Um, between us three, we kind of rotate skill development stuff. Um, and then we also have a, a longtime head coach that used to be at Gretna, Ralph Setter, who's a, a big part of our program. Um, and then we've got some other guys, Sam Jenkins and Dr. Brown, who I, I try to, what I tell my coaches is this, if I'm not trying to prepare you to be a head coach, then I'm failing at my job. So I give them all different assignments. Like tomorrow, it might be Coach Desmond doing skill workouts. I'll be there, but I just kind of oversee it. Um, and, and same thing, it might be Nick Thompson one day, but they all have different roles that they fill. And, and I think that's been one of the best things about what we've done at prep is, it's not just about me. It's about our coaches. It's about our players. If I don't have those coaches, those players, then we haven't been successful. So yeah. I try to trust them and, and let them have um, a lot of the the time to watch film. You know, mm-hmm. both Nick and Ted watch film, and then we submit a game plan, and then we talk about it, and we come up with the best plan. It's not just me saying this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do yeah. it. We we communicate as a staff. As players, you know, we lost a great senior class, like I told you. When we met in April, April 1st or whatever, I walked in and I said, those guys are gone. Now somebody's got to step up. But one thing's not going to change, our expectations. We plan to host a district, win a district, and go to the state tournament. How we get there, we'll find out over the next 10 months. But it's up to you guys in here to accept that role as leaders and and take the next step in planning, you know, what is it your – legacy in our our tradition at prep basketball and and they really like that and you know we've got a couple great seniors luke jungers martel evans casey o'malley and and they've got to assume that leadership role and they're doing a good job but you know as always we can always do better so um it's been it's i kind of like to put it's a i yes i'm in charge of the program but it's a program that is only going to be successful with our assistants Everybody's and home. our players hard work yeah. because it's not just about me. Yeah. They're obviously getting the job done. I got to interject <laughs> this. I can't I still can't believe I mean all, you know, following class A from a, a distance but you've got this star studded BCS ready to step in lineups at Bellevue, West and Miller North and here's this 
you don't under the radar prep team. You don't you know, <laughs> under the radar. They were ranked number in the top twenty-five in the country. I wouldn't but, call it top. Uh, you know, don't under you feel the like radar. under the radar compared to like everybody thinks it's either Bellevue or Miller North. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I watch ice. I go, my gosh, they have the game won like four, yeah. five, six times. It's like. I kind of felt like they were an under the radar. Now remember, we're we're in a bar. We don't want to bring this up here. He's got to get home. No, listen, I that, that's like, a great. Would you not agree? You were somewhat under the radar relative to well, those I two mean, teams. Well, I mean, I joked about it. I, yeah. well, I was talking with coaches. I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, maybe I told Mike Sauter like they were ready to play a best of seven or a best of three, Bell West Miller North last year, and and I felt really good about what we what we had coming back and the kind of players and the toughness we had I mean you know at the end of the day you know most people don't realize this but we won two out of three against Miller North over the last two years and, and you're talking about like they've got some really See, great I talent known that. And, coach an Cannon, outsider. and coach Cannon does a great job but you know we beat him two consecutive games in a row that most people they can't say that and obviously Bell West was our nemesis last year um we played them three times, and um, <laughs> all three times we kind of felt like we were feeling really good about the game. But a credit to Doug and a credit to his players. They made plays, and even that semifinal game that was one for the records, I mean, you know, anytime you got the lead with a minute and 20 to go, you're like, you're feeling really good about it, and they just they never quit. And obviously we made some mistakes, but um, you're right. We were kind of under the radar, and then I think as we – progressed last year and people saw us win games they're like now wait a second we can't really count prep out yet no. Tom Crable just came over here with a sign that said there is no such thing as an under the under the radar prep team so <laughs> well, I remember here I, I, I was not able to see that game I didn't go to it wasn't on TV but <laughs> I remember hearing about it and thinking there's no way that that didn't happen those swings did not happen and yeah. then I saw it was why I'm like how, I don't even imagine as a coach, you had to absolutely be, when that was done, just like, take me to the hospital. The, the semifinal game that yeah. went triple, uh, it, it was it was draining. Uh, I mean, and, and I don't know what you tell the kids after the game. Like, you didn't have to uh, teach the next day, did you? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, uh, we just told them we were very proud of them, and, you know, it was, it was a game for the record, and, you know, people are going to be talking about this game for a long time. And, I mean, I still, to this day, from prep alum, they're like, that was one heck of a game. It was... You guys did a great job of rec- representing prep. And, um, you know, I wish we would have won the game. But at the end of the day, you know, I-, I think our kids realize they put everything they had into it. And we just came up short. And obviously yeah. you'd like to take a few things back. And um, I-, I think about that quite often. But um, I-, I was so pleased with uh, what my kids did that it- they were just incredible through that whole process. I I don't want to say a whole lot because I there, there's been talks about doing some things with that situation. That's all I'm going to say. So I mean, the, I, it's 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 it's. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say this: the whole thing is a a tremendously fascinating story from start to finish. Not just your story. But Doug's story, Doug's story and Tim's story, Tim's story. and COVID and, and all of these other different things. So, uh, I mean, I mean, think about this scenario, and, and many people know this, and some don't. Like, I, I had to at eleven o'clock that morning, the night we're playing Doug, uh, Doug and Bell West. I had to grab my team, pull them together, and explain to him that my father died the night before. I, re- I yes, and, I remember and, that. Yeah, 
not that that like I get it. That's that's a terrible thing, and it should happen. But to put that pressure on a bunch of 16 and 17 year old kids that some of them knew him very well and and had played the youth sports for him, and some of them really didn't know him. And I had a nephew on the team that knew him very well. It's like, how are those guys going to respond? Are they going to show up and be able to actually play the game knowing that their coach is, you know, hopefully there but not there? Um, And and I told them when we got to prep, I I promised them when I told them at the shoot-around, and I reiterated this when we came and had – pregame meal at prep when we walk on that bus it is 100% focus on Bell West it has nothing to do with coach Lutke or coach Lutke's father it's the focus is on you guys trying to play the best game possible because this is your moment and this is your time to shine and we don't want to take away from that and I think that took a lot of pressure off our kids but then again you don't know how those kids are going to respond and I tell you you know Justin City, Majay, every one of them but you know, you look at A.J. Rollins that night. A.J. Rollins did not want to lose that game. And, no. and he might have played his best game he's ever played at Creighton Prep. And who knows why. Maybe it was the moment. Maybe it was a bunch of people in the stands. He personally knows me pretty well, and he knew my father. But that, that dude gave it everything he had. and But so did everybody else. So, I mean, Doug's story, Tim's story, COVID, you know, that, yeah. the part of telling your team your father died. I mean, it was just one of those – surreal moments but then to watch them play that game wow it was yeah. unbelievable yeah no i the the whole like i said there's hopefully we can have the time yep. and the the resources to tell can write the a entire book on that stories. one weekend you can write a book <laughs> or All i can't i i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything but yeah so uh, so we're going to move on because I don't want to get that way. Uh, you were talking about leadership and bringing a kid. One of the things that that I kind of took a hard look at in my sabbatical was we, we have kids come in and we say, okay, you're the seniors, you're the leaders now. But then we start teaching them to be leaders, per se, when they're <clears throat> going into their senior year, during that summer of their senior year, let's say, and we start talking about it. One of the things I really started thinking about was why are we not starting that process when they're freshmen and building that up and giving them those leadership skills to find their niche and their leadership skills, their freshman, their sophomore, their junior year, because sometimes that can kind of backfire on you. And, the, you know, a kid that's maybe not equipped to be or tries to be a leader but doesn't know how to be a leader because they haven't had enough reps with being a leader or being taught how to be a leader, so forth and so on. Uh, so that's one of the things we're trying to do with our program. And granted, we've got a smaller group than any of you guys have with numbers-wise, so we're able to be a little bit more close-knit. But we've really emphasized teaching leadership as soon as you step in the door, we talk about being leaders and the skills that it takes to be leaders and, and, and so forth and so on. And uh, that's that's something that I've adjusted in my own coaching style and really, you know, but I had time, a lot of time to think about those type of things as well. So, uh, I mean, that's something that I've, that, that we worked on this summer and, and we worked on being urgent, you know. Uh, the, the kids that I had last year were very urgent. They wanted to do a lot better than what they've, they, they had done and so every day they came in with urgency my biggest you know thing that I want to have this team do is just whatever happens I hope we have the same urgency that we had last season 
you know, and then we'll see what happens. Then we'll see what happens. So, um, what else? What else you guys want to talk about? You guys saw the list. What do you want to move on to? <laughs> if you can read my handwriting, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I thought one thing that was interesting because I, I think this is a challenge for everybody is um, dealing with multiple sport athletes. All right, yeah, let's talk um, about that. And coaches, and what your relationships like with your other head coaches, and and probably for most. It really comes down to what's it like from the boys' side is, what's it like with your football, basketball, baseball coach? With you guys, I'm assuming it's what's it like with volleyball and basketball and soccer, but maybe it's track and field. Um, you know, what's it like? I, I, I think at prep we do some good things. I also think there's things we need to work on. Like I'll never say we do anything perfect. I'll be the first one to tell you as a coach, I'm not perfect. Like okay. I got to try and get better every day, but like – us as coaches we try to do our best with trying to share athletes but i think it's becoming a very difficult game in 2021 2022 just because so many kids are specializing at a earlier age before they even get to high school because now you have all the different specialty you got a specialty baseball facility you got a specialty volleyball center you got a specialty basketball center mm-hmm you got a specialty football center now. I mean, how soon before Nebraska has seven-on-seven football in the spring? Um, There's going to be a lot of challenges moving forward of how do you work with multi-sport athletes. Boy, I tell you, that that has been – and I kind of knew that going in. Marty, you had shared this with me. So I knew that going in, but I'm into it knee-deep now, and that is I feel at the high school level, dealing with the other high school coaches and sharing the the multi-sport athletes – to me, that works pretty smooth overall for the most part. It's the club coaches on the outside where you don't have that relationship like you do with the coach on staff, and now you're trying to juggle. Because what happens if, if I'm, like, talking to the volleyball coach or whoever, we we can work things out. But when you're doing the club coach, it's like they're going to do their club thing first. They It's like I have to do my club thing. You're willing to work with them. And so that, to me, has been the biggest challenge is balancing the club coaches who you don't work with to develop that relationship, or have a yeah, have a relationship, with and you. they're like, you're you have to do this. I just, I just one player I'm thinking of in particular, really good, a really good young player we have that club coach. Yeah, he, I have to be at this tournament the first weekend of the season for another sport. It's not, and I'm just like, you know, our volleyball coach wouldn't do that at Marion. They wouldn't. So it's those, to me, it's the club coaches so I guess the answer would be to get to know them club coaches and trying to develop a relationship where they would share more but I, I think I think they're invisible you can't find <laughs> it's like who's your coach it's like they're nowhere to be found or you can't contact them and so to me the multi-sport athlete the challenge is not with the I don't feel like I've had it with the high school coaches it's with the club scene who really they're not accountable to anybody an AD or whatever they're accountable to you will be here or else and yeah. so that's a challenge and so it's it's you know What I found is I've just got to super communicate with those kids and say, listen. What I've had to tell them is say, listen, I'm going to really be cognizant of your goals and desires and club whatever and all that stuff. And we're going to look through this through two lenses, your lens and the team lens. And then we're going to come up with something we can agree to on whatever the consequence will be. And that's worked pretty good. But the problem is you have to realize that when I was at Seward, I I never had a kid miss uh, anything in season practice or game ever never here you're balancing some stuff like that yeah. but you can't chase those kids off so you have to really look at okay how do we balance 
how do we look through two lenses at the same time and make this work? That's yeah. the challenge to me as club coaches and getting them to be willing to work together and not dominate. Yeah, yeah. Case. <clears throat> I mean, I think now as an assistant, it's kind of like, oh, I don't have to worry about it that much. The head coach <laughs> does. But, I mean, I still do because, I mean, like, I want them there. Like, you're it's invested. Tough, yeah, I, yeah. I want them. If I'm there, they should be there, right? I mean, we're all going to be there or a, a coach is going to be there. We want them there. And I think, I mean, in my years now at Millard West, I don't think we've had too many issues of girls missing or whatever. Like when we start our fall sport, if you're a fall varsity athlete playing softball or volleyball, like, hey, that's your first thing you go to. And we're not going to ask your coach if you can come to try out because you're a varsity player. JV, freshman, we kind of leave it up to the kids and the parents, but we also mention it to their head coaches or head coach, JV coach, whatever, and say, hey, is it okay if they come? And if they allow it, that's fine. But for the most part, JV freshman kids that are on a reserved key, they're going to show up to workouts or whatever. Um, but we haven't had too many issues, and we're almost getting to the point where there's not many that are, in Miller West-wise, we're not getting many that are doing volleyball and basketball or softball and basketball. A lot of them are kind of just finding their niche in one or the other and sticking to it. Um, when I was at Duchenne, it was a little more different with only 380 girls, and you're trying to throw a team of 20 basketball players together. Well, half those basketball girls are out for cross country or softball or yeah. volleyball. Yeah. So it's tough to get many workouts in. Just a number crunch there. Yeah. Yeah. But for overall, I mean, I don't think I've had any issues personally with any other coaches saying, no, they can't do this or they can't do that unless they were – a varsity player on the yeah. team. I, I think as big of a deal it is to communicate it with the, with the kids, and I think, Tom, I think you had a great perspective on it. Here's your goals and what you want to do with this other sport, and here's the team's perspective. Let's see what we can do to meet in the middle. But I also think uh, part of the discussion needs to be with mom and dad so they understand that you can play all the club volleyball you want, but your daughter is a 5'7 outside hitter and she's not playing for John Cook someday. Or your kid, as much as he would like to be like I was, I thought for sure I was going to take over for Ryan Sandberg at second <laughs> base for the Chicago Cubs. Wasn't going to happen, no matter how much baseball I played. you know. And I think that uh, parents, we need to communicate that with parents where we say, hey, Listen, if, if you're ultimately what it comes down to, uh, a college coach in any sport is not probably going to say to any kid, well, I'm not going to take you or I'm not going to offer you a scholarship because you're playing basketball in the winter. That's not going to happen. I think sometimes parents get sucked into that by outside influences. And, and that's where we need to say, no, if they're good enough or the potential is there, they're they're going to get their ride no matter what. They're going to get they're going to get the appropriate scholarship at the appropriate level based on their potential and their skill level. It seems and, like it's more an issue. And Josh, you could you know you could comment on this. It seems like it's more of an issue for girls with the uh, multiple club sports things than it necessarily like for a basketball coach. It seems like there's more club issues with girls in basketball than there would be boys in basketball. Yeah, I, I would agree. I I think for us. Um, you know, we, I always tell my kids this, like in the fall, go out for either football 
cross country or tennis, but I don't want you going home and playing video games for two hours. Or in the spring, go out for golf, soccer, track and field, or baseball. I don't want you going home and just goofing around. So you got to make a commitment. If you're not going to play another sport, you got to commit, make a commitment uh, for basketball, and you got to try to get better. Now, where we run into difficult situations is, you know, in the fall, okay, we have fall workouts. Basketball starts in November. What do you tell a kid who's a baseball guy who wants to now? He just spent all spring and he spent all summer, and now he wants to spend all fall getting ready for baseball. But he also wants to play on your basketball team. Well, at some point, if you don't spend time at the skill level, and, and I think anybody that knows the game, you got to be pretty skilled to play a varsity sport. I don't care if you're class A, class B, you got to have skill. And, and if you don't, you're probably not playing at a program that's a high level. No offense, and I'm not trying to knock anybody. But, like, what do you tell the fall baseball guy that, you know, wants to do fall baseball, but he hasn't done anything with basketball since? the end of March. That's going to be, like, I'm cool. Go do that if that's your goal, but you, Just can't, understand. Be, you, you can't be mad at me yeah. Yeah. if some guy that was playing less than you on JV now all of a sudden is the same player or better because he worked out. Like, that happens. Yeah. And, and I think that's hard for parents to understand. Well, he was playing over him at the JV level. Yeah, but there's a lot that happened in November or, excuse me, April and May and June and July and August. Nine months is a long time. Nine months is a long time, and everybody yeah. develops at a different way. So I agree, and I, I think that's the most difficult one is, you know, how do you – what do you tell a fall baseball guy? Like, you can't do it? No, I would never tell a kid you can't do fall baseball. I just tell him, like, you have to understand, like, if you if you really think you want to play basketball, well, you got to put in the time because you only have three, 10 weeks. We have 10 weeks from Monday before our season. And if you're going to spend six weeks of fall baseball and then think you're just going to show up and try out, you might be able to make a team, but you may not perform at the level you want. And, and he just has to understand that. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because we did this the last few years and we're really going to do it now. And that is I'm having the kids at the start of the year are going to I'm going to fill out a sheet with, are you playing on any club team? How, how often do you practice? What dates? What times? What tournaments and all that? And turn that in and say, and, and one agreement is, once you've sent that in, if the season starts, that it's going to be unexcused for you to come back later and say we had a rescheduled thing. No, you, you made a commitment to these. But the other thing is, and I tell the kids is, listen, there's going to be a lot of close calls, starters, varsity, rotation, whatever, and say we want to know this because we're going to look at We want to peak at the end of the season. And so the only way we peak as a team at the end of the season, if the players that we're putting together will peak. And if you're doing that and there's any close call between you, kid, player A, and player B, player A has got a heavy load going with club whatever, then we're going to go with the player that is not because we know if you're close at all, then this person that's taken the, you know, we take, put a lot of time and thought into how many days we take off mentally and physically, and if you're then doing this, you're not going to be there. So we really base a lot of close decisions on information they've given us. We, I tell them up front, this will be factored in. It's not a punishment. It's just we want to put together the best team we can. Yeah. And we don't want you to be – we don't want to have some player that we're investing a lot this much in knowing you're not going to have it at the end because – and so that's something that I, I gather that information and make sure I'm aware of it and it factors into how we put the team together. And, and I think every coach is wanting to work – with those kids to be able to do as many things as they want yeah. but at some point 
like the high school coaches can't always be the bad guys like we still have to look out for the program we're trying to build yeah and, and it's like you know i tell guys all the time like if a guy puts in the time and a guy just shows up for tryout who do you think is going to get the spot the guy who put all the time in and worked hard to be a part of that team that shouldn't make me look like a bad guy because i'm rewarding a guy for his commitment and his mm-hmm. work and, and sometimes you don't always somebody they always look at you like well that's you're, you're making a bad decision well I kind of feel like I'm rewarding that guy. And yeah. that guy may not even play a lot, but I'm rewarding him for his commitment to try and get better. Yeah. And what happens then is your kids pretty soon pick up on what gets rewarded and, and promoted in your program and what doesn't. There's nothing to deflate a player or a culture more than if you have two kids that are close and you give it or the one that's maybe slightly ahead at that time to the one that invests all the time, kills your culture because the kids are like, well... I see what gets rewarded. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a big, that's a real thing. Yeah. Case, what do you got there, man? I, I just I, I I hope people listening don't think that we're saying don't play other sports because we're all we were all that's not what we're saying. Yeah, no. Absolutely and that's, not. That's what I'm yeah. just trying to say. Like we right. we were all multi-sport athletes when we were in high school or whatever too. And like Matt Campbell came out and say he had a. He's an Iowa State guy, unfortunately, but a very good coach. Like <laughs> Iowa State, top ten team in the country yeah. this year. He, yeah. he, he's, yeah. okay. he, he's a very good coach and does a great job with the program. But one thing I saw in a t- uh, tweet that he had an interview with, he said the greatest ingre- ingredient you'd lose is competition and figure out a way to win. And that's why we want athletes that – people that play do multiple sports, track, wrestling, whatever. Like, I totally agree with that, but you also have to find those kids that want to commit – to be able to play basketball, like for us anyway, like at Prep, at Marion, at Miller West, at Fort Calhoun. We want those kids that are going to commit, commit, so they've got to be able to put that work in just as much for basketball as they do for the other sports. We can't say, like Josh, you were saying, you can't go six weeks to fall baseball and only come to four weeks of fall basketball and expect to have that same spot you were at last year. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 real quick, I'm sorry. I mean, we, I can see people right now, whoever listens, they're probably spinning their wheels yeah. and say, well, you can't play baseball and basketball. And that's why I wanted to make and, sure and that, we're all, and that's we all like Zane Hinkle played basketball and baseball. Um, Joey Machado, who's playing Division One baseball, played basketball and baseball. Um, Will Hannafin, who's playing Division One baseball, played baseball and basketball. Michael Emoti, who's playing in the minor leagues, played basketball and baseball. Like, it's possible. It's just all in how you decide to do the work. Like in the summer, exactly. for an example, I don't care if my baseball guys ever play in a summer league game. I don't care. But can you get into the gym three days a week? I don't think asking somebody to get into the gym three days a week to work on ball skills and shooting is asking too much. 45 minutes to an hour, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Well, that's three hours a week. And if you can't do that because you choose to go do something else, I can't reward that guy over a guy who's who's doing it. We've sure. shown it's possible to do it. You know, Max Herter, yeah. he's an older guy who played for me. We don't win the 2009 state title without him. He's a baseball guy. Joey Machado won the 2015. He's a baseball guy. Like, it can, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes me think of the senior-to-be player that I have that made, I think, one team camp all summer long because she had soccer commitments always in the evenings and weekends. But she made all of our morning skill sessions. And Absolutely. I told her, I said, yeah. you know what? I said, you're doing everything that I could possibly ask in terms of compromising 
and and being and giving to both. Yeah. And so she made one team camp, not the rest. But and I I think at the end of our last skill session in front of the whole team, I singled her out as a leader. I said, "You're a Division One soccer player, but you're making every basketball thing you can." Yeah. And to me, that's that's being a leader. And so absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's a different thing when it's like they can never make anything with that. Yeah. They can never make the the basketball stuff. And then it's like, yeah, now you're 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 cutting yourself. Yeah. I mean, we even did it in the spring where. You know, we had some football guys. We said, go two days with football and two days with basketball. That's a win-win, mm-hmm. you know. If you're willing to work with us, we're willing to work with you. But we're not just going to be told, oh, sorry, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to be that good. There's not a lot of guys that are that good that can do that. No. no. Well, most of us, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we'd all agree that we'd rather have them come to skill stuff then go to the five-on-five five stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, five-on-five five just turns into a pickup half the time anyway. And you're yeah. Looking at somebody go one-on-one. I mean, we'd rather have them come to a skill stuff three days a week or two days a week than show up to five summer league games in one week or yeah. something. Yeah. And one of the things I've always told my kids is when you're here, you're here. Yeah. Don't be, don't be anywhere else. You know, I need you for this 45 minutes or these 50 minutes or this hour or whatever it may be, okay? And what you do with the other 23 hours of the day, that's yours. But when you're when you're here, you got to be here. You know, and one thing I tried to do, too, to try and do my part to meet them halfway is I just did away with weekend team camps or whatever and evening leagues and say we're going to do everything Monday through Thursday during the day. So if we go to team camps, we'll find team camps that are during the day, skill sessions, and that helped a bunch because now you're not, you're eliminating the evening baseball, softball, whatever weekend stuff, and that helped a bunch. I took that from you, actually. And it was the best yeah. thing I thought we ever did this summer, and our attendance went way up as much as it could. But you know, I, again, and I'm not trying to at all um, bash club coaches because many of them are good friends and so forth. I'm just saying I found it harder when you're within the same building as high school teachers and coaches. It's so much easier to communicate and work that out than club coaches. I feel like I never, like I said. They're you never meet you don't know who they're like nebula they're out there somewhere in outer space and you can't it's like my club coach says I have to do this I'm like can you give me his phone number I'd like to come and and I've done that a few times can you give me their phone number I want to call him just meet him get to know him and talk to him about this but it's like the numbers out of order or whatever yeah. so, oh, yeah. or, or their email doesn't work or, I, I I had that happen one time uh, I had a we we had a really good teen returning you you're gonna know exactly who I'm talking about and I had a young lady that was told by her club coach that if you want to play division one you've got to play 13 months a year in this particular sport so a few weeks before the season she said i'm going to go do this and i got i got her club coach's number and my irish anger and my italian anger all vested (laughs) into one and and i I, you know and it was wrong by me i should have had a much more civil conversation but at that point it was just so much frustration of you're not telling this kid the whole story. You're not. You're not. You're not helping this kid. You're. You're. You're kind of hurting this in a lot of ways. And 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 she. You know what the thing was. She came back about seven months later. Said, biggest mistake I've ever made. You know, I want to play basketball my senior year. And she had a great year. And she was awesome to coach. She was just a terrific kid. Love her to death today. But yeah. So I don't know if you really want to talk to them, <laughs> uh, to the cup coach because sometimes. 
it may bring out something in you that you're maybe not proud of. And that's, again, I'll, I'll own that mistake. It was my mistake uh, when that situation came about. So Well, and, and one thing, I, I mean, we keep talking about all these club coaches is, you know, the, the, the places like OSA and Factory, they, they've they've helped the game so much. and there's they, 90% helped, of them do things the right way. Right, and, and they've helped us because they know, like, we understand that, you know, when they do their travel in early spring, we're going to miss some guys. And then we know in July we're going to miss some guys. So what we've done is to work our workouts around their travel schedules in the spring and in July. So we take Monday, Tuesday, Thursday skill development in July. Well, that gives them Friday, Saturday, Sunday to be with their club teams. And we do it so early in the morning. If they go do a second practice with OSA or Team Factory, that's great. And we appreciate it because they do a great job helping us with the skill development. Um, so I don't want them to think like we're harping on them. We're not. We're just we're just saying there's yeah. there's a lot that goes into a kid's mind, and we got to learn how to I'm process it. I'm glad you brought it. that up. And the difference with, play, with um, clubs like that is their schedules are online, practice schedules, tournaments, and so it's easy to work with them. It's just and communication. It is. Communicate. It's it's the random club that aren't part of OSA or aren't part of Nebraska Tech or whatever it may be where you kind of feel at times you get ambushed with or you don't, you're don't you not aware of, okay, this came up, now this tournament came out here. Well, you don't get ambushed OSA and that stuff. It's, it's as an example, it's down here and you can work around that, yeah. right? It's the stuff that's like... <clears throat> That's why I'm going to have every kid is going to tell me exactly what days are you practicing, when are you playing, and no wiggle room. Just I, I just expect you to be honest about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could see the hate Im, hate mail flooding the inbox as we speak. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, I've got thick skin. You know, I, you know. I, I, I would I'm tell right. most people there's a long list. So get lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's fine. I, I think I think we've been really clear about our conversation. It's we want what's be- ultimately when this, this whole conversation comes back to, we want what's best for our kids with everything that they do. And, and I think all of us sitting at this table and, and most everybody listening to this podcast will say, you know, we understand that not every kid is going to love basketball that we coach. They're gonna, you know, that that's impossible. That's literally impossible. You know. Uh, but when they're with us, we want them to be with us. And, and a kid, a, 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 12, a, 12, a 12 to 17-year-old kid should not be forced to choose Correct. what they should and should not be doing, whether it's by the high school coach, whether it's by a club coach. They should be able to, to the best of their ability, do whatever they want to do to the best of their ability. And I think that's the, that's the, the big thing that all of us sitting here want to have happen for our kids, that, that, that we truly want the best for them. And I, I think a, that's that's it. And that's the challenge is getting everybody that's involved in the club, high school, whatever, on the same page, communicating. Yeah. And that I think the lack of communication is where you get stuff problems. Stuff. Stuff. And, and I think you hit it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we tell the kids we want what's best for you. Yeah. But you also have to realize, like, it takes some hard work, and and you got to put in the time, and you can make the time, but you got to put the time in and. You know, yeah. I, I, there's just not a and lot. And we'll help you find the time. We'll help you find the time. But there's not a lot of guys that are that good that can just show up and you can roll the ball out and they can go to work. Yeah. I mean, we could name some of those players, but they're not walking the halls in green prep. No. So, I mean. No. 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 If they are that good and they can do that, well, then that's life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they're making more money than us right now, probably. Doing Most other likely. Yes. 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 So. 
I mean, maybe I was one of those guys, but I just chose to host a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> last thing, sorry, that was bad. That was dad humor right there. That was, that was dad humor. Sorry. Uh, speaking of, of dad humor and stuff like that, how, how do you keep it fresh, guys? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you de-stress? How do you, how do you, uh, not take this whole doggone thing too easily. I, you know, Casey was when, when when I was not coaching, and he would call me, and we'd be talking. I'd be like, I, I slept good Friday night. I don't know about you, man. I slept great, you know. And just rubbing and, it in, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and and I knew one of the things that I had to do a much better job of when I got back into it was was not stressing out so much, not not. You know, and, and and looking back on things, it's it, that was something that I didn't do a, a, as good a job. Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's been a big focus of mine. And I, and I think we as coaches, there's 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 been pressure on coaches for a long, long time. You know, I I had a uh, guy a couple of weeks ago, his, his his grandfather won a state championship, and he got let go the next week from the football team, and uh, you know, so I mean that and that was in the '60s. He was saying it was like 1965. And and so it's it's not new to 2021 or anything like that. But what do you guys try to do, or what's some advice that you have for coaches? Because we're all in the same boat of of we got we got to take care of ourselves. We got to take care of ourselves physically. We got to take care of ourselves mentally. We got to take care of our families. We've got to be uh, we've got to be good fathers and 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 mothers to our to our kids. Um, all of those things, you know. So right, that yeah. that's tough because I mean, unless you just disconnect. <laughs> I mean, the, it, it's stressful, and you know, and just think about the last what eighteen months, how stressful it's been, coaching, and even to this point with COVID still being kind of a an eyesore. I mean, yeah, you, know, you kind of were hoping that it was kind of in the rearview mirror a little bit, and now it's peeking back up. And I, I don't know. I mean, the last eighteen months have been stressful for a lot of reasons. I, I think I've tried to um, try to take an hour each day to kind of work out kind of get my mind right mm-hmm. um i've tried to listen to some different podcasts um i know of, a good one uh, i i do okay, i, I right, check right, this okay, one right, out right, but right. i mean like other podcasts of just trying to you know understand how to like be a leader and um i, I think my you know i listen to a lot of john gordon stuff mm-hmm. um and he has a lot of different types of podcasts um, I listened to a lot of Buzz Williams podcasts, which I probably didn't do a long time ago. Uh, most people thought I was probably listening to Bobby Knight podcast <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but I'm actually kind of a sensitive guy. Um, I don't know. I, it's disconnect, work out, kind of spend yeah. some time away from the game. Um, the easy thing to do is just get caught up with it 24-7. Yeah. Um, but it, that's a hard one. Yeah. Two, two things for me. I say working out for sure. Just physically, that relieves stress and so forth. And um, I would I would say uh, unequivocally my faith that has and just really investing time in my relationship with God has ju- that's huge and I'll give you an example my daughter when she was a sophomore-ish she, her goal was to play Division one basketball and she was playing terrible and I was just like geez I, I, we got to just get her to go off for cross country or track she'll be better you know what and then I remember just just telling her I said you know what Hannah I said and she told me the other day about a week ago I said it's the best advice you ever gave me I said, you know, forget about the coaches you're playing in front of that are there watching the AAU. I said, forget about that. I just want you from now on the rest of your AAU career, just pretend like Jesus is sitting there and he's saying, I'm the only one here 
that's watching you. Just please me in how you conduct yourself. And she said, and she really, from that point on, really in her career kind of took off. And she goes, Dad, you have no many times I thought back in my life and about not just basketball but other things and saying and focused on he's watching me, not this person or this or whatever. And I kind of, and I said I ended up using that advice on myself and saying, okay, okay, I got to focus on pleasing you and how I coach. It doesn't mean you don't be competitive. I'm as competitive as anybody gets, but just all the other areas. Focus on, and so my faith has really been critical because I was as much as anybody, self-imposed stress. You want to win. You're a competitor. Self, it's not stress on other people, self-imposed. Yes. And when I got to that point, and, and ironically it happened by me, me telling my daughter to do that, and then later on I finally used that advice. I have been, and I've had a lot of people that are close to me. I think you mentioned that that year that you were, you know, helping helping me and assisting me. That just it's reduced a lot of stress. To where it's like, you know what? I know who I'm trying to please when I coach. Now I'm going to trust you with the results. And it's I have not. I've had the least amount of stress I've had in years. And it ironically goes back to the advice I gave my daughter before I used it. Yeah. That I finally had to. Yep. Case. Um, I started working out, which is kind of a shock. I, I mean, can tell. You, you look, yeah, you a lot look of weight good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that, but I've been working out more. I like to golf. Like in the summer, I know that's not during basketball season, but it also gets my mind off of like, okay, what did Coach Kruger and I talk about this week that we need to start working on for Miller West stuff? Like it's just gets my mind off of it. And I don't think about it. Um, another thing is, is you guys have older kids. I have a five-year or a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Like. That's kind of my stress reliever. I go home and I can just go see them and not have to worry about it. Yeah. That makes life kind of fun a little yeah. bit. But another, like with the head coach stuff, like Marty and I talked about that year. He took the year off and it was like, don't put it all on yourself. Like I was doing, as a head coach, I was doing everything. Like I yeah. was watching film, I was scouting everything. I'd go to a game, I would come up with all practice plans, I would kind of say, all right, assistant coach, go do this. But I would still kind of be overseeing it and still have my hands in it. So, like, that's one thing I can say just, like, now as an assistant coach, after eight years as a varsity coach, it's like, okay, you don't have to do it all. Like, I can help you out. Like, just seeing some of that is kind of eye-opening for me coming from head coach side now to a varsity assistant side. It's kind of like kind of full circle backwards, I guess yeah, you would say. point. Like, that's a great point because I think back, I used to do everything, and I, you mentioned that too about you got somebody who runs your defense. Delegating things to people you trust, and so your staff is critical. That's just yeah. critical to have a great staff that you can delegate to, and then it that relieves a lot of stress just with the workload, and then it's so much more enjoyable because those people are so much more invested because you, you've trust, entrusted them with that, and so it just helps and benefits in so many different ways. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, and I think that's kind of... Like, now as an assistant, I'm like, here, I can do that. You don't have to do that. Like, one thing off your plate, you don't have to worry about it. Coach Kruger, you don't have to worry about that. I can do that. Yeah, like, but I do reserve the right that if whatever I delegate doesn't turn out good, I can come right. back and blame me. <laughs> yes, you can come back and blame me. Yes, that is fine. But that's one thing, like, for any head coach out there, first or second, you're like, don't try to do it yourself. Yeah. You're going to lose more hair in your first two years than you do in your whole life. I can... I promise you that. If I took my hat off, you can oh, tell. I was just going to say, you are you are living proof of that. So, <laughs> yeah. well, I want to know how golf is not stressful. <laughs> oh, I like playing golf. Yeah. You are so right in terms of, 
I think it's the young coaches make the mistake. You want to prove yourself. So you feel like I've got to do everything so that it, the accountability comes back to me and that ends up just burning you in terms of burnout yeah. or stress. I, I literally, during my sabbatical, I, I put together a, a spreadsheet and I tried to think of every job possible. And, and I imagined having you know, a varsity assistant, a JV head coach, and a freshman head coach. So three assistant coaches. If, if you have any more than that, you're, it's gravy, or you're at prep, or you're at Bellevue West. But anyway, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. But I, I, liter- I literally said, these are the things I'm not doing anymore. And, and I, if, if my assistant, what's going to happen when an assistant says, I want to I help coach? Okay, here's what you're doing, and he, here's a list of things, but I'm not doing any of these. You're do, you pick out what you like to do, kind of like what you said with your staff, getting to know your staff and whatever, but because I cannot put myself in that situation again. I, I, I just I literally cannot put myself in that situation again. Let me be good at what I'm good at as well, and sometimes we as head coaches go – we lose track of, you know, we talk about bright spots with our players and trying to find stuff for our assistant coaches to do and what they're good at. Sometimes we got to remember as head coaches that we got to do what we're good at as well. There's a re- that's Those are the biggest reasons why we've got the job in the first place, you know, and that's something I had to get back to is, okay, here's, here's the four or five things I do really, really well, and I have to do these things really, really well, but this other the, these other things that I do decently you, then you've got to and even if you're bad at it right now you've got to figure it out because I just can't do if, if, if I do my pretty good things then the stuff I'm really really good at is going to suffer and I'm only going to be pretty good at those things I, I, I hope that makes sense yeah, yeah. when I found yeah. out too that when I when I stopped showing up at practice we started winning well <laughs> we didn't want to say anything so that or showing up in the Casey Hall inspired Jim Beheim Town Team Two Three. <laughs> you know, it worked, so, for, it worked for a while. It's a. It's only been twelve years, Tom. I'll let it go at some point. That's quite a story for another yes, time. Yes, yes, That's another story for another time. So, guys, it's been awesome tonight. It's been a great night. Uh, really appreciate you guys coming out and and, and uh, hope, like I always tell everybody, I hope you had a good time coming I, on here. I, I, I had, had a great time. time. I enjoyed. Yeah. Enjoy I learn a lot from the people I. I I've been. I, I should be thanking you guys because what I get to learn from listening to you guys. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It's it's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's been a blessing. It's 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 been a cool thing. Uh, I had a a guy tell me, you know, um, you've got the coolest you've got the coolest part time job in the world. I'm like, and I'd never thought about that. I was yeah. like, you know, I, you know, again, thank my wife for coming up with this crazy. You know, you're Italian. You like to talk a lot. Make your own <laughs> podcast. That's awesome. Okay. Hey, it works. All right. Yeah, whatever works. So, uh, Josh Lutke. I appreciate head, it. Thank head, you. Head boys basketball coach at Creighton Prep. Tom Taverdi, head girls basketball coach at Omaha Marion High School. Thank you. Casey Hall. we got to get some headlines going again here. We, we'll, we'll have some preseason stuff. we got to <laughs> get back into that, we can too. Work we got to get that in. Assistant girls basketball coach at Miller West, High, Miller West High School. Thank all three of you guys for coming on here tonight. Thank you. Uh, my Thanks name is Marty Plum. Uh Come out to Wine 121. It's an awesome place. It's a great place to hang out. It's uh, uh, Tom does a great job out He's here. He's a great so. entertainer. He great is place, a great entertainer. A proprietor. He is a proprietor <laughs> now. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.